out of the box. Out of the box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI. Big thanks to Stephen. Another excellent morning. Oh, he's had the best time. You can see it in his face, or I can see it in his face. I'm sorry, you can't. It's enlightening. And uh, today on Out of the Box, we have a guest who, if you need a film recommendation, she's your guru. And when you're talking film, everyone's a critic. Only some are worth listening to. Kate Jinx is one of those special few. In fact, her thoughts on film are so reliable that when a small cinema was opening up in Surrey Hills called Golden Age, they headhunted her to pick all of the films. And uh, Kate's also a designer, artist, writer and broadcaster. Welcome on Out of the Box. Thanks for having me. So you've, you've been in the studio many, many times over I, the years. I have, but it's weird to be on the other side of the the uh, the desk. It's 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 really nice. It's nice. <laughs> I'm not in control anymore. I'm trying to I'm trying to give it up. It's good. Oh, it's good. Like being out of control. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I'm in control today, so everyone beware. And uh, so, if you do recognise that voice you heard just then, it is Kate Jinx of that the Picture Show, mm-hmm. and previously known as Too Much. Yeah, it was called Too Much. I have no idea about the names of the other shows that I used to do. I've been at FBI for quite a long time, but yeah, Picture Show was the kind of longest running film show on Saturday mornings. So you kind of moved away from film criticism. Why? Because I didn't want to get bitter. I think that a lot of people who um, who work in criticism, uh, look, it, it, it's the ninety percent rule of uh, you know ten, only ten percent of the people in any industry or <laughs> should be doing it, and uh, <laughs> or a, a terrible. But um, I look, I, I just think that. Uh, I have aspirations out of writing about film, I suppose, and I didn't want to get stuck in it. So I still work as a critic, um, but I only work for the thousands and uh, just do one, you know, 300 quippy word pace uh, every week, which is kind of nice. Okay, so you want to actually go into making film instead of writing about other people who are making films? Yeah, I mean, there are some really incredible critics out there that just do an amazing job and I would rather leave it to them and uh, and write my own stuff, I suppose. I thought you were pretty good. (laughs) Oh, thanks, thanks. Well, I still do it. I still do it. All right. Well, we've got a track to take and I'm expecting like loads of songs from soundtracks considering your, your film obsession. So which one have we got here? Uh, well, the first one should be in every soundtrack. Uh, it's the B-52's Mesopotamia. It's one of my uh, favourite all-time songs. All right, on FBI 94.5.
I've had the directive from Kate to fade this one down. <laughs> you make me sound like a monster. It's very naughty. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, but you can. You fit in more that way. Yeah, actually, there is a radio station that started playing, I think it's, you know, songs that go for only a minute or two. Like, they've got a limit on every song, so they have to cut. They edit every song so that it only goes for a short space of time. They should just play punk. Yeah, that would be easy. Yeah. Royal headache. Exactly. All day long. Just all day long. <laughs> I'd listen to it. Yeah, we would have a very limited following, but a very good following, mm-hmm. no less. Niche. All right, I'd love to talk more about your, your film life because that is most of your life. Yeah, and at the moment, yeah. Yeah, you're the program director, I guess, for um, for Golden Age Cinema. Can you tell us a bit about Golden Age Cinema and it, its roots and yeah. how it started out? Well, we're, we're just about to turn one-year-old in a week, which is extremely exciting for kind of anything to survive in, in Sydney for a year. But uh, they... The guys who are behind it came to me about, I don't know, 18 months ago and I just got this call out of the blue saying, hey, we are opening a cinema in Sydney and we're wondering if you wanted to be involved. I was like, I basically thought it was a prank. I mean, who opens a cinema? Everyone shuts them down or they open up micro cinemas in their living rooms. But to open up an actual cinema with, you know, popcorn and, and the like is is crazy. Um, so it's it, we opened, yeah, 12 months ago and it's in the old Paramount building, which is the historic building on the corner of Commonwealth and Brisbane Street uh, in Surrey Hills. And Paramount Pictures used to use it in the from the late 30s, I believe. And during the the war, they would play newsreels in there for servicemen and women. And there are some amazing photos of people in uniform gathered in the cinema space that we still use uh, to watch the news. Incredible. That's but, so fascinating. Yeah. Would you, would you ever play the news there? You know, oh, everyone come in, watch some, not these, watch some ABC. <laughs> maybe not these days. Uh, we we generally want people to be having a good time when they <laughs> come to the cinema. So maybe not the news. Uh, maybe we'd play like broadcast news or something about the news. But uh, yeah, so we opened up yeah twelve months ago in the same space. So we refurbished the whole thing, brought in amazing cinema seats from an old theater in Zurich, and uh, and uh, Bob Barton designed the bar, and it looks really beautiful you when you walk in it's like it's always been there but it's a little bit futuristic and a little bit kind of Blade Runner Lynchian uh and it is actually new um but it's meant to feel that it could have always been there yeah but, it's uh, definitely got some kind of 40s vibes there yeah still, yeah sure. and so when you're planning for all of the the films to screen there how many films must you watch a week in order to keep across things I watch so many goddamn movies it's <laughs> crazy uh, it's really it's one of those weird things where you kind of step back and think this is this my job people actually basically paying this me to, life I know people <laughs> paying me to watch movies and then go nah, nah or yeah yeah this will get three sessions uh, it's so ridiculous that that has fallen upon me and it's really nice and I'm really grateful for it yeah, how, do you, uh, how do you get into such a thing well they just they called me I, I think part of it was doing the film show here in FBI which is um that yeah it's just kind of a, a nice thing they had heard some things about me from other people um a couple of people who put me forward that they didn't audition it or anything I just had a couple of coffees a glass of wine and I was in it was um <laughs> yeah, it was the easiest job I've ever gotten um but uh it, yeah it's it's a really exciting thing so we're open six days and we have two sessions most days so it's a mix of new releases but mostly kind of the new more independent films um with classics and cult films and we do date nights and on Tuesdays we do this thing called Golden Age Prices, which is kind of fun, um, where I pick something that came out before around 1990 
and we charge the approximate ticket price it would have cost. And so instead of doing like a cheap Tuesday or a cheap us thing, yeah, so if you go and see, I think we had Mad Max on this week and it was $6, oh, things so like great. that. Yeah. So does the candy bar go down in price as well? You know, you get fl- fairy floss or popcorn for We do, we do some special deals <laughs> on that night, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that idea. So Just uh, polywaffles. We're just serving polywaffles to everyone. <laughs> I don't even know what polywaffles are, which shows how old they are and maybe how old you are. Who knows? Oh, <laughs> ouch. No, it probably popped up in all the films that you watched. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. What What's the weirdest thing that you've had showing at Golden Age Cinema? Because you get to you get to air things that the big you know event cinemas would never even be able to touch. What's one one thing that really strikes you as a, a real cracker of a film? Well, okay, there's a film that I really, really loved. Um, it came out in 1980. I was obsessed with it as a teenager. It's called Times Square. It was directed by Alan Moyle, and he also did Pump Up the Volume and Empire Records. And uh, oh, it's about these two girls who meet in a mental institution and run away and live in a factory and, like, work in a strip bar, and they're really young and they just want to start a punk band, and they're called the Sleaze Sisters, and they're also an art collective. And uh, it's really incredible with an amazing soundtrack. And it was one of those things that you had it on VHS and you gave to everyone, like when I was a teenager. Uh, and then I was I was sent a ca- like a studio catalogue from one particular distributor once and was going through all their recommendations. And there were about 5,000 titles and they had picked out about 2,000 titles that they thought I'd be interested in. And this, so that, that's, that's my job. And then... <laughs> And then I, I thought, oh, well, they're all there, you know, they're, um, the ones that they'd highlighted were pretty good, but I just wanted to, I had some time on my hands, so I went through the 5,000 and I saw this film there listed, Times Square, I could not believe it, um, called them, got the rights. And I, I think that we were, I, I think that Golden Age is the only cinema um, that has screened it. I've, in Australia? I, in Sydney? Yeah, it wasn't released theatrically when it first came out. Um, it's definitely had home release, but I think, yeah, so it was pretty exciting. And on those two, like we played it twice and I, I turned up to see who would, who would come out for it and they were so packed and it was amazing to see all these people who had kind of heard of the movie or it was their favourite ever movie turning up and meeting each other. It was great. I love it. It's like when you go to a gig or something like that and you're just like, no one knows this band, no one listens to The Weaker Thens, for example, and then you go there and it's completely packed out and you're like, best friends forever. Oh, my yeah. God, I love the city all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was really, really great. So that's probably my favourite film that we've screened. All right, solid. Uh, I'd love to talk to you more after this track about how you actually get the rights to films and all the all the weird nitty-gritty things that you don't see coming. So we've got a track called Lorelei by Tom Tom Club and we'll talk about why you picked that when we come back.
FBI 94.5. In the background, you can hear Tom Tom Club with Lorelai. And uh, my guest today on Out of the Box is Kate Ching. She puts on all the films at Golden Age. So if you've been there, she's handpicked it for you. And uh, I'd, like, I'd like to ask you a bit about kind of putting those things on air. Oh, also, before I forget, why that song? I didn't even ask. Hi. And I need to know. Well, we're playing. I'm really excited because we're about to release the new spring program for, for Golden Age. Um, it's our very first birthday release. And uh, we are playing the 30th anniversary um, version of Stop Making Sense, the concert film for the Talking Heads. I cannot believe it came out in 1984. It's crazy. Wow. Um, and we're doing it for Sydney Fringe with Groove Scooter. Um, it's the most amazing concert film. You don't really need to see any other concert film apart from this one and the Tom Tom Club um, well, Tina and Chris of the Tom Tom Club come out of Talking Heads and they do they do a, a couple of songs in that movie for Stop Making Sense but um, I was once I, I used to live in the States and um, I was trying to find I promise not everything in my life is movie related but I was trying to find <laughs> really? a, a cinema and um, I was trying to find the anthology film archives and I got really really lost and I wound up on the Bowery and this was before it was um, had like the Ace Hotel on it and, and lots of you know um, cool bars and things and I saw this old it was snowing and I saw this old woman on the corner and she was asking people to help her across the road and no one would and I thought either she's like really crazy or everyone is really mean and I I stopped and, and went to help her and um, I, was, I had my headphones on and she asked me what I was listening to and I did that thing where it's like having massive inner monologue it's like the most epically boring inner monologue but uh, <laughs> I was really worried that uh, like if I said what I was really listening to she wouldn't under she wouldn't know them and I was like am I being ageist I was like really fighting on it and then I said no I'm listening to the Tom Tom Club and she was like, oh, the Tom Tom Club. And it turned <laughs> out she was the co-founder of CBGB's. It was Karen Crystal um, who founded it with her husband, Hilly. And uh, she... You're kidding. So, so the CBGB like, is like a huge thing in America and spills over everywhere else. The Country Bluegrass Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, okay, that's where a lot of punk bands broke and the Ramones first played in Talking Heads and... Yeah, it was just totally nuts that I happened to be listening to this band and helped this old lady across. It was the weirdest evening. And, Serendipity. Uh, yeah, and she was like, oh, I, she's like, I love Chris and Tina. Um, but I told me that how much she hated David Byrne and how awful he was and she hated <laughs> working with him. And then she was telling me all this stuff about how her ex-husband Hilly had, like, forced her out of the club and, like, and how she had no money now. It was cr like this crazy, crazy New York story. What and she invited me into CBGB's and she introduced me to everyone and was like, you know, Kate gets to come back whenever she, she wants. Like crazy. And by then, like not many bands played and she did like a jazz club on a Sunday afternoon. It was The whole thing was a bit weird. Anyway, I'm very excited to see Us Stop Making Sense in a couple of weeks. That is so fantastic. That's such a great story. You should be writing a bio or something. Oh, there's a memoir in the works. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I am, I am ready to hear it. Um, read it, I should say. And so, I, There'll be an thing, audio book too, so oh, don't worry. Are you going to voice fine. it? Yeah, of course. Thank God. <laughs> and when you're, when you're programming all the films that are going on at Golden Age, you can't just watch a film and say, wow, that was really great, we should play it at our cinema, let's do it, and then put it on the screen. It's not that simple. What kind of things stand in the way of you screening the films that you love? 
Yeah, it's really a difficult industry. I had no idea about it. And so I would see other people curating cinemas and think, oh, they've got terrible taste. And it's it's not. It's just it's really hard to get the rights to to films. Um, a lot of – so you need to get a physical copy of the film. We don't do any – we don't do film as such. We do digital. So we play 2K, DC, 2K 4P. 4K DCP, um, which is like the new digital way of that a lot of people um, dislike, but also it's a very beautiful crystal clear image. Why do people dislike sound. it? Is it more of a traditional thing? It's like thing? a purest thing mm. of like wanting to see it on film. And I love seeing things on film. I went to Melbourne last week to see a like 13 hour film on film that was live translated. So I love film as well. But, you know, in a space like ours, we only seat 56. So it makes perfect sense for us to be doing digital. Um, so you have to find th- things that have been restored to digital um, and not film. So I'm not talking like we don't do DVD or anything. So mm-hmm. just you know, nice um, new versions um, and also the rights of them. And so the rights change companies constantly. Like one company will, I'll book a film with one company and then two, like two months later when it's time to play it, I'll get a call from another company saying, hey, actually, that's on our list. And it turns out the rights will have expired somewhere and changed over. So it's this super weird mercurial thing of who owns the rights to films. And a lot of films have no theatrical rights in Australia. So if you were living in the UK or the US, it would be much easier to get your hands on the rights. But in Australia, it's a little bit more difficult. So does that mean that you can't play them full stop? Or does that mean that you just have to really step in and and say, we need this film and set it up and set up the rights in Australia? Um, Yeah, it means I have to go to to the UK or US companies generally and get the rights, which becomes so much more expensive and oh. crazy because um, you, when you play a film legally in a cinema you have to pay like you pay a guarantee on it or a box office split so, which is really really high so you're giving the other company like a, a lot of money that's why tickets are so expensive at the moment mm-hmm. um, and that's why a lot of cinemas will charge like $18 for popcorn, I suppose, and that's how they make their money. Um, we don't. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it's a it's different point. and mercurial mm. uh, thing. And I guess classifications as well. If you don't have the rights to a film in Australia, then it might not have been classified here. Is that ever the case? Yeah, so then you have to apply for the for uh, classification exemption, um, which you have to submit a to the classification board. You have to submit a document that uh, you have to watch the film and then write down like anytime someone swears or they're nude or they're having sex and things like that, drug use, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then so they you say get to like, sit there oh, and, yeah, and list all that of sounds these okay. things. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, That's yeah. fantastic. Mm. And there are there things that you just cannot screen. Uh, yeah, I'm, look, I'm sure there are. I haven't had any trouble. Um, there, there are a few films out there, like my favourite all-time film I can't screen, Celine and Julie Go Boating. It's a French film from the 70s. Um, we, I just can't get the rights to it because it's not on a good enough format for us to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a bit sad for me. And another one like Gillian Armstrong, Gillian Armstrong Starstruck, which is an amazing, amazing uh, rock musical from the early 80s and it's set in Sydney. It's absolutely brilliant, but um, we can't play the 35mm print of it, so we we can't get it on any other format. Um, So things like that. So there are lots of films I'm really, really pushing to be remastered and digitised. All right. Well, it's time for us to take a track and I'm wondering which one we should go with. Should we go with Guy Blackman or do you have another feeling for the moment? Yeah, I'm always feeling Guy Blackman. Excellent. Well, then it shall be. 
time on FBI 94.5 with my guest today Kate Jinx great track from Les Surfs how do you say that I think you did a pretty good job all right go me mm-hmm. and uh you're, you're all about good movies but I wanted to ask you does a movie have to be good to be worthwhile no way I like terrible movies too I'm not um a total film crazy snob buff person I <laughs> Yeah, like thank I, God for that. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I like I love a, 
a bad movie as much as the next person. Like I love going and seeing massive, massive blockbusters. And I also really like seeing kind of on the nose um, B-grade stuff as well. Great. Is there is there a particularly bad film that you're in love with? <laughs> um, oh, uh, I, look, I, it, I don't know. I was thinking about like the movies that I have watched the most and I, I love Dumb and Dumber, but I wouldn't, I, that's not a bad movie. But it's one of your your most watched movies. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can you quote? Can you quote it? Are you like? I'm not going to, (laughs) but I absolutely can. Yeah. No, like I I watched this movie recently um, that I had actually um, bought for my girlfriend, and uh, it's it's called Heartbeeps, and it stars Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters, and um, it it was the one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. It's like they star. It's like Andy Kaufman playing a robot, (laughs) and it. It's just one of the worst films I like I really have ever seen. I don't know how it got made, how it got funded. It was at Barry Manilow in it. Like I had never heard of it and I've I've spoken to a lot of friends who are kind of Kaufman fans and Bernadette Peters fans. No one's ever heard of this movie. Yeah. Um and I like I had to get it sent over from the States and but at the end of it I was like, you know what, maybe I loved that. Like, it's just so bad. It's good. Actually, mentioning mentioning your girlfriend, I know that you have uh, donated your hair to a good cause. Can, can you tell, <laughs> tell us a bit about that? Uh, uh, she, she, she's a comedian. She does um, drag performances as Dave, um, as a, a comedic alter ego, I suppose. And a few times I have donated my hair clippings um, to appear on her face. So she you, uses her own now, though. <laughs> your hair beard. Wanna, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, that's a match made in heaven. That's beautiful, isn't it? So <laughs> romantic. It's just so romantic. Yeah. Yeah. So from back in the days when you were on FBI as uh, doing... It wasn't that long ago, back in the days. <laughs> oh, I just, I say that as a matter of course, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Back, back in ye old uh, too much and picture show times, you were, you were criticising a lot of, well, not criticising, but you were presenting a lot of films and criticising a lot of films. Do you miss that? <sighs> No, I mean, like I do write a, a, I do review a film every week mm-hmm. for the thousands, um, and some mostly I just get to pick a movie that I really love, and then every so often I get to pick. Well, I just go and see something thinking it might be good, and then it turns out to be the worst, like Sex Tape a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I thought, oh, Is it maybe. really that bad? Oh yeah, though the poster would say so much about it. I just thought, oh, Jason Siegel, come mm. on. And then, oh no, no, it was oh, was astounding actually. Um, but then I, I do know, it. yeah, that from that review, I think we had the most people ever trying to win tickets to see it. So a bad review goes a long way, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't miss it so much though. Like I like. I like being able to choose films for people to see, and I get a lot of input. Lots of people kind of contact me about their favourite films and and ask if I can try and get them. And do you miss talking to directors? Because you got to talk to a lot of directors. Was there anyone in particular that? really stands out as being one of those people that you just really wanted to chat to when you got to through the show. Um, yeah, I probably the probably the, the favourite person. We had Miranda July come in and do a guest spot, which was great, but um, it was actually her husband, Mike Mills, that I was really excited to meet um, because I learnt to skateboard from a short film he made when I was about 15, 14. Um, so he made, before he made films like um, 
Thumbsucker and Beginners. He made a lot of music videos and sort of short art pieces. And there was a show on in Sydney in 1995 called Culture Is Our Business, which was part of the Somersault Festival. And he had a really short film in it um, about learning to ollie. And I used to catch the train in... um, (laughs) For an hour and just watch that video over and over and then go back home and, le- oh, and learn because I didn't have anyone to teach me because um, you know, the, the, it was only kind of boys that are really bratty boys in my neighbourhood who, who wouldn't give me a you shot. Can't skate. It, to- it was totally like yeah. that. Yeah. Like when, you, when you're holding a, a skateboard and they're just like, oh yeah, chuck it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so I finally got to meet him and, and tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> no, normally I don't do any personal stories in interviews or anything like that. Uh, it's really unprofessional, but I just couldn't help myself. And he was really pleased. <laughs> so that was nice. We've got Jade Kinks, I almost said. We've got Kate Jinks in the studio today on FBI 94.5. She picks all the films at Golden Age. She's been a broadcaster here in FBI. She's an artist and all of the above. And as a result of her being very implanted in the film world, we've got a lot of soundtracky stuff. The last one from Les Surfs was from a soundtrack, which one was that? It's called Taboo. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Portuguese film that came out um, about last year and it's a really incredible black and white film and the soundtrack is amazing. It has all these kind of like songs of the times like that song, the um, the To Stress Me Baby, but then other songs like a band will start singing in the film and they're actually singing a Ramones song, these really anachronistic um, music choices. Um, it was, I think it had the best soundtrack of, of any film recently and it, I had never heard that song before until the film and um, I think it pretty much opens with that song and uh, it's just one of those times when a film can give you, can introduce you to music. Yeah, And we've got another one that you found via a uh, soundtrack so the velvet underground i found a reason yeah this one i didn't i didn't find this particular song from a soundtrack it should be in it's one of those where i think oh it's not it, from a soundtrack no no not this one um but it i learned about the velvet underground through the love and other catastrophes soundtrack which i'm not ashamed to say is a yeah, really you're, you're great movie quite shameless it's a great movie anyway <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, and I remember they played Sunday Morning in that soundtrack and it was used really beautifully. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway, and I, I yeah, I, I remember kind of trying to learn about them after that soundtrack. So it was one of those moments when a film, yeah, introduces you to music that will end up becoming really important to you. Here we go. Found a reason on FBI 94.5. Jesus. 
94.5 gorgeous track there it's from so, the Velvet Underground it's so beautiful it is so beautiful and there's a beautiful cover by Cat Power and it's way sparser and it's just gorgeous it was in V for Vendetta and it was just one of those most beautiful film soundtrack moments absolutely fantastic stuff and thanks for bringing that in Kate Jinx across from me on FBI 94.5 and uh, she is the person who used to do the picture show on this very station and she picks all of the films for Golden Age Cinema and uh, she met someone called Randy Jones one time. And <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Yep. How did you meet Randy Jones? And who? Maybe who is this guy? <laughs> Randy. Wow. Randy Jones is the uh, cowboy, the original cowboy. Thank you very much from the Village People. And um, I met I met him in a gay bar in New York, and um, <laughs> I was uh, I was with my girlfriend and um, our friend Ben, um, who's bringing it all back home, the partner of a guy, Blackman. And we were in this bar and we'd done this kind of bad gay bar crawl all night and we were tipsy and we walked into this bar. I kind of remember the name of it. And um, there were lots of men in their underwear on, <laughs> on the bar 
and it was, was just really ridiculous evening. And there's the one guy came in and he had this massive cowboy hat on. And for the life of us, we could not work out who it was. We all knew that we knew him from somewhere. And then finally I was like dared to go and ask him who he was. And I was at the point where I was going to do that. So I went up and asked him and he was just like, oh, honey, I'm like, it's Randy Jones, like full on amazing. <laughs> And then, like, was buying us drinks and taking photos with us and, like, giving me his number to hang out. Oh, and my God. It was just, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. What, what a, a, what a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. So that's not, that's not a character that he puts on. It is just Randy Jones full That's on. Randy Jones. Good I met stuff. this woman who introduced uh, herself as his wife. I think that's not quite a regular marriage, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Oh, what a night that was. <laughs> Memories, mm-hmm. and uh, so we've got a track from who is it? Wise Blood is that how you pronounce it? I believe so. Um, she's just about to release. Uh, she's from the states. She's just about to release a new album that comes out next month, and this is the first track that's been released from it. Um, it's it's one of those songs that. It's. I, I think a lot of the music I listen to is either from a soundtrack or I'm mentally filing it away for when I finally make my feature film to, to put it in. And this is one of those. I listened to it on repeat while I was in uh, Melbourne for the film festival last week and like any time between, like between films I was listening to this song. Uh, and I, I really love... Um, a lot of the music I listen to could be filed under like lesbian uh, folk coven music, I think. What, what do you mean by coven? It's like all a little bit witchy. It's like, <laughs> you know, you could be doing a spell and listening to these these songs. But they're not that appropriate for radio. Um, they're not that much fun. And this one, I think, gonna is... going to do it anyway. <laughs> this one is. This one is like the, repre- the fun representative of, of that ilk. All right. Good stuff on FBI 94.5.
folk today mm-hmm. on FBI 94.5 and thank you for bringing that on thanks for letting me it's really <laughs> it's, nice yeah it's not very often that you hear some kind of what lesbian witch folk <laughs> yeah well I'm not she she I don't think she is a lesbian or a witch but that's <laughs> what I'm getting out of the song I suppose okay. yeah. it's all about your interpretation yeah exactly context and before that track we were talking about the time that Kate Jinx who is across from today on FBI uh met Randy Jones from The Village People and someone texted in just then saying, that's pretty cool, but I know a dude who slept with the Indian and then sent in another text afterwards saying, Native American star. That's so great. <laughs> Thanks for writing that one in. Um, and what, I, what I'd like to talk to you about now is your PhD. You have a very specific PhD that you're, you're underway with researching at the moment and it sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a candidate at the moment. So I just started this year. So I chucked in my old job as a designer and um, and did this job at Golden Age, like programming and started my PhD. So I am looking, I'm in the film department, I'm looking at the documentation of queer lives on screen. This sounds rehearsed, but you know, documentation of queer lives on screen in Australia from the late 60s to the early 90s. So I'm looking at archival footage, documentaries, TV specials, they're my favourites, and kind of experimental cinema and um, representations of art about, um, yeah, being queer in Australia. And in your in your travels through the archives, have you found anything that you find is completely at odds with today's representations? Yeah, that's part of the reason why I'm looking at that specific time period as well. Um, there's not a lot of research uh, done in that field, and I thought it would be quite fun and not just really dry. Uh, 
Um, yeah. Um, but there's one, I love all the TV things. There are some great ABC specials from the early 80s. Uh, my favourite is called Emerald City, City of the Gays. And it's all about being a homosexual. Um, and that's that what they, they yeah, homosexuals in Sydney. <laughs> it's just amazing. And they look at, you know, they take you on it. They First, they tell you that the children should not be in the room. Um, and that nothing comes after it that any children wouldn't be able, child wouldn't be able to see. But anyway. Um, and then they show you all of the gay restaurants that used to be in Sydney. Um, gay restaurants? Yeah. Is, so like are spaces, there gay restaurants now? No, there aren't any. So is it a kind of segregation almost? Yeah, but it was, I suppose at the time it was almost kind of a worked in a positive way for the community because mm-hmm. there was this kind of safe space and where you could meet lots of people. And of course now everything's a bit more mixed and the like bars emerge. There are kind of gay bars that exist, but uh, there's just kind of a lot of like presence of everybody at every bar now, I suppose. So things have really, really changed. But, um, yeah, like, you know, there was an amazing drag club on Oxford Street that became the Sketches store, things like that. The Cricketers used to be in Surrey Hills used to be a gay bar. Uh, Flinders used to. uh, Like there are all these kind of pieces of history that have been lost, I suppose, um, but have gone on to become other things, um, which are also important to different communities. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. But I just it's just funny when anyone says homosexual, you know? It's <laughs> exactly. <so> funny. <laughs> Actually, I think I was talking about that with the producer before. We were like, homosexual. It's, it's funny. Just, I just, I don't know where it came from. Like, why does the H have to be hocked? We don't hock anything else in English. No. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I think people would maybe scared to say the word. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a reticence in that H that makes it yeah. sound so odd. And uh, we actually had a text through from Therese. Therese loves Kate so much that she just renewed her membership. Feel free to do the same thing if you are listening now and you're just having the best time. That's because I the am. greatest thing ever. Nice. That is so great. I used to have to <laughs> beg people to, uh, to call in and um, support FBI. So that is just the nicest thing in the world. Fantastic. So you are listening to Out of the Box on FBI with me, Ash Bertabez, and my guest today, Kate Jinks, who is very beloved by Therese. And thanks for renewing your membership. Really appreciate that you're keeping the station running. And uh, you were saying that before you did your PhD, you're a designer and you just kind of quit that and left it behind. What were you doing in your design life? Yeah, I used to work for a lot of different um, magazines and things like that, art directing for record labels, that kind of thing, Um, and working with different artists. But my last kind of big design job, I worked for a little station called Triple J, and I used to design their hottest... Triple what? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's not around anymore. But um, yeah, I I used to design their Hottest 100 covers and things like their Leica version album covers and things like that. That's so fascinating. Where do you go? to for inspiration when you're coming up with a cover for a Horace 100? Like, how do you make it the flavour of the year, I suppose? There'd always be, like, a theme. And there was another designer I worked with and we would really push... um you know, shove our weight around on the on the themes as much as we could, um, but yeah, it was just it was a really fun place to work, and yeah, amazing that you're making something that meant quite a lot to a lot of teenagers, and yeah. like I grew up being obsessed with them, um, and I used to the but the best the best thing about that job, and it was an amazing job, um, was that I used to get letters from kids who would design their own album covers for the Hottest One Hundred and send them in. Oh my god! Like, oh, maybe you could think about using this one, or like, here's a draft. I can do a better one for you. That is so cute. Yeah, so we've still got them all. Um, but yeah, they're real. They were amazing. Or oh, like, I like we did a fast food theme one year 
that was a hot dog with googly eyes. Um, <laughs> and I've never been so proud as when um, Mark Scott uh, tweeted that he had these googly eyes on his desk. I was so happy about that. Now, who's Mark Scott? Uh, the MD of the ABC. So he, yeah, so he usually tweets about serious things. And I was like, yes, I got googly eyes on a hot dog on his desk. Um, but yeah, and people would send in these, like kids would send in their own versions of the album cover. It was really, really great, really sweet. That's solid. All right. And we've got a track from Broadcast that you brought in for us today. And what does this one mean to you? Uh, you can also file this under Witchy Lesbian Coven. Um, <laughs> they are just well, one of my all-time favourite bands and they were also really obsessed with films and experimental cinema and they used a lot of samples from really bizarre films in their songs. And the lead singer passed away a couple of years really suddenly um, just after they had toured Australia and I'd just waited about 13 years to see them and they were magnificent. Um, and then, yeah, she passed away about a month later. Very sad stuff but uh, they have um, worked a lot for other soundtracks and they did the soundtrack to the uh, Barbarian Sound Studio uh, soundtrack, a film that came out a little while ago. They're really excellent. You just listen to them and it's there's a film going on. Yeah, definitely. Very cinematic stuff and it's. I'm sad to say that we've actually run out of time to play any more songs after this one, but we're going to uh, put up all the tracks that we have played and a couple more that are highly recommended from Kate on our programs and playlist page. So that's on fbiradio.com programs. You'll find us there on Out of the Box. And uh, if you do want to listen back to the show, miss anything, and you want to relive the good times even, it's uh, we're on, what's it called, On Demand? Yes. On demand. We are on demand at all times, and we also have a podcast, which you can subscribe to, which one of the producers of the show just figured out today has subscribed to the show that she produces, which is great. And uh, Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything that you want to leave us with? Well, I, I just want to say if you uh, want to, you can always get in touch with me if you have a burning desire to see a film at Golden Age. And we're about to release our new program as well, so you can get in touch via uh, ourgoldenage.com.au. I love hearing people's suggestions. All right. We'll send through as many as we can think of. And so we're leaving you with broadcast now. It's uh, Corporal.
of the box. Out of the box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI.